Hi guys, summer's finally here and I'm looking forward to catching up with friends and family as much as possible. At all those get-togethers, I like to have the option of being able to moderate my alcohol intake without missing out on the occasion. That's when I love a refreshing Atopia and Tonic. It's an award-winning non-alcoholic spirit with all the flavour of a premium gin but less than 0.5% alcohol. Our friends at Atopia have given us an exclusive offer for Open Mind listeners. Just head over to clinkspirits.com and use the code OPENMIND at checkout to get £5 off a bottle of Atopia and free shipping. Enjoy the summer with a bit of mindful moderation. Hi, welcome back to Open Mind. Today I'm joined by Sasha Louise Pilari, the makeup artist and model who is exposing how dangerous and misleading Instagram filters can be. Hello, Sasha. Hi, thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. So we actually spoke quite recently already and I follow you on Instagram. And I felt like you were someone that I really needed on the podcast because you talk so much about body positivity and I know you'd had this whole campaign called filter drop which I really want to go into with you uh, for the listeners to know what we're talking about but I want to find out first how you came to work in the makeup and beauty industry so it was an accident (laughs) most of the things that have happened in my life were an accident yeah because I trained in musical theatre my whole life that's all I ever wanted to do so I started training from like the age of three up until 18 and that was like tunnel vision all I wanted to do I didn't want to do anything else went to drama school at 18 and that was just the reality year for me where I was like I actually cannot cope in this industry and that was only like year one of training let alone the actual industry it's just too much it's too I mean even back then we're talking like 10 years ago no longer than that like 11 12 years ago so image focused and I just knew I wasn't going to hack it basically I just knew I didn't have what it takes to do that so when I left I was like what am I going to do and makeup was always just a hobby it was it was something that I loved doing and when we were at drama school I used to do the girls makeup on a weekend and everyone would say can you do my eyes or um actually vividly remember in one of my classes the the principal she was like can you make your makeup more like Sasha that was like the biggest compliment I got at drama school it's almost embarrassing though isn't it you're like yes but also like sorry guys (laughs) what about my tap routine (laughs) what about my time step (laughs) literally so um I left and it because it was what I'd wanted to do for so long I remember being in this state of what has just happened because that's such a huge period of your life to know what you wanted to do and it already wasn't working out and I hadn't even started and you were so So, young still like we have this um pressure of needing to know what we want to do for the rest of our lives and sticking with it and putting everything into that and I think that's quite I don't know, it's quite scary, I think. You know, you get your GCSEs, you've got to pick your GCSEs and then you've got to pick your A-levels and you've got to know what you want to do and then it's almost like you've already set your path and we changed so much in that time period. So, like, yeah. it's mad to hear you say, oh, yeah, I was, like, 19 and already panicking about what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Yeah, and I, w- I would do anything to be able to have me now when I was 19. Like, if I could have just had that, that would have been fantastic because I would have <laughs> just said to myself... what are you panicking for? Like you've got the rest of your life, literally. And I did loads of different jobs, tried everything. And then I decided to get a job or try to get a job at Mac. And back then it was owned by Estee Lauder and you had to 
apply online. Like you have to go through this huge, big online application. And then if you get through that, they did a phone interview. And then if you got through that, you got interviewed in person. So I failed the online interview and then I tried again and then they blocked me for six months from applying. I was like, what? All I did was want a job. Anyway, I took my CV into store and asked to speak to the manager, <laughs> classic. And um, I just said, look, I really would love to work here. Makeup's a huge hobby of mine. I'd love if you could just take my CV and have a look. And then I got offered an interview. Oh, wow. So I just cut out the middleman, <laughs> cut out the block. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then that was it. Like literally the rest is history. That was probably the the real start of my career because I was on the shop floor I was still speaking to people and in a way I kind of very quickly worked out that everything I'd always wanted to do was being channeled into that every day anyway so that's how my makeup career started at MAC all those years ago. And did you find when because you talk a lot about body positivity these days and how we perceive ourselves when you were younger did you struggle with self-confidence and body confidence? Yeah. So I prefer to say body confidence as opposed to body positivity, just because that movement was created for like marginalized bodies. And I'm yeah. st- I, my body's still like accepted in society. But growing up, I was never, ever like my friends. I never looked like my friends. And I feel like that has had such a huge impact in who I am today. At the time, maybe I would never have noticed that, but now I realise that it it has made me who I am. I was always the bigger girl out of my friends. We always needed bigger costumes for the dance shows. I was never in my age group of clothing. So when my friends were wearing 14 to 15 clothes, I was wearing like size 10 women's or size 12 women's. So it's always been a thing for me that I didn't look like A, my friends, B, the people on the TV and the programs, like X Factor, all of those things. I didn't have anyone that I felt like I looked like. And I think that probably had a huge impact in my confidence back then. Do you think that was another reason why you didn't feel like you had what it takes in that industry particularly? 100%. Because Growing up, my humour was my protection barrier. So I was always the joker. All of my teachers would say, oh, she loves to crack a joke. And that was my protection because if I was going to take the mick or out of myself, that meant nobody else could. Or if I was going to crack a joke, at least everyone would find me funny if they didn't find me pretty. And I remember thinking all of those things. So now, you know, that is a part of my personality. And I don't do that anymore. I really have kind of outgrown I don't say derogatory things about myself because I realise how damaging that is. But I have so many memories of things that I used to say about myself where I just look back and I think I would do anything to take that back. But then you can't think like that, can you? Because it has, it's made me who I am today. Mm. Yeah, I'm totally that person. If there's something I'm self-conscious of, I will will laugh about it first before anybody else can. But then it's like you open yourself up to that for people to say things that might hurt you. But then you have to laugh them off because you've already made the joke. One of the things that helped me to stop doing that was that you know, we, we all have different bodies. We all, we all look different. We all have these different things about us, but I would never dream of saying that to my friends. I would never dream of saying, oh my God, your stomach looks disgusting. Hmm. So why would I think it's acceptable to say that about myself? And it's also subjective anyway. You could be sat there and hate your body, but think mine's amazing. And I could be exactly the same, the opposite way around. So it's such an endless cycle of like, wasted energy Mm. and it's when you think about all of these things in such a simple format it really helps you to like put that into your like daily practice of it and how have you done that then how have you 
manage to come through that journey of accepting your body? I think I honestly, I was just exhausted from it. There is not a diet on this planet that I haven't done. I've done absolutely everything, you name it. I've done the whole exercise seven days a week. I've done eat a piece of mackerel and two boiled eggs. And I've even lived through that time where I was so slim for my frame. And I look back at the pictures and I remember how many people used to say to me, oh my God, you look incredible. Or you'd have Facebook, I'd have Facebook messages from people that I hadn't spoken to for years saying, I've just seen your pictures, you look insane. And we put so much reward on being slim and being pretty and attractive that it's very difficult to move away from understanding how damaging that is in itself. Even my dad the other day, I I hope he doesn't kill me for saying this. He sent me a picture and it was a picture of me from that time. And he wrote Slim Sasha with an exclamation mark. And he means nothing by it. He's just saying he's seen the photo, remembered how slim I was. And oh, look, she's slim and sent me that photo. And I mean, five years ago, I would have looked at that and thought to myself, oh my gosh, I looked incredible. I need to get back to that everyone thought I looked amazing. Whereas now I look at it and I think, cheers that. (laughs) (laughs) He's, you know, he's not in the, you know, it's a different generation, isn't it? They don't understand it in the same way, but I don't, I didn't feel anything. I looked at it and I felt sad because I remember how miserable I was trying to achieve a body type that is just not mine. You know, Mm. I looked that slim and I would still never have been, I was, I think I was like a size 10 and I was eating nothing and exercising constantly. And that's just not a sustainable life. So I was exhausted of all of that. And that's where the journey to starting moving away from that happened. And how do you do that then? Is it something you do daily? Do you just, have you learned to kind of talk to yourself differently? Do you eat differently? Do you still exercise? Yeah, I feel like I have my own little toolbox of all these things that I do and that I've built over the years. I started off by, I think one of the first things I did was what I said earlier was to stop making those comments about myself. And you can't stop the thoughts coming into your head. Mm. You can't, you can't stop when you look in the mirror and thinking, oh God, I don't know how I feel about that. But you can change what thought comes after that. So there's been periods of my life where I've not even been able to moisturize my body because the thought of touching my stomach made me feel so sick because I had to you know, in my head, admit that that's how my stomach looked. And I think as well for my particular body shape, I've always had maybe like a slimmer face. So my stomach is my one thing that was out of proportion. So it was always been my hang up. And to go from a stage where I'm not able to touch it, to moisturize it, to now going away next week in a bikini and not having any thoughts about that that's such a huge way to come in only five years yeah and that it doesn't happen overnight it's like that's five years is a long time of every single day trying to change a thought that comes into your head or choosing not to say anything derogatory about yourself and it goes so much further than that there's so many things you can do to move yourself away from it you know and I just think if you wouldn't say it to someone else, why on earth do you think it's okay to say it to yourself? Mm. And I think, again, like when you take those simple things back and put it into like a black and white format, it makes it easier to understand that life's too short to sit here and scrutinise over if my eye's not exactly symmetrical when absolutely no one cares, yeah. ultimately. 
Yeah, it's um, funny. My so, yeah. fr- my friend and I, we always have these conversations because we were obsessed with being skinny when we were younger. And we look back at those pictures sometimes and we're like, oh, we were so slim. Oh, we didn't even have to really try. You know, now we're in our 30s. It's so much harder. And then we both just kind of look at each other and we're like, oh, but it was so boring and yeah. we were so miserable. And we always say we looked our best and, and what we thought was our best when we were unhappy and yeah. now we're like, but we're happy and I want to go out and have dinner and I want to, if I want a burger when I'm out with my friends, I want the burger. I don't want to be, yeah. and some people just find it easier than others, don't they? And yeah, you know, that's what I And I, I don't ever want to look back on pictures and only remember, you know, that picture my dad sent me, all I can remember from that one picture is how little I was eating, how much I was exercising and how unhappy I was. When I look back on a picture of me three months ago, having put on probably, I don't know, I don't weigh myself, but I have obviously put on weight throughout the pandemic. Who hasn't? Mm. I look back at that photo from two months ago and I remember the memory of that weekend or the memory that we decided to make a really lovely meal because we were in a pandemic. And that's so, it's such a freeing, liberating feeling to be able to have memories as opposed to these like detrimental memories that only happened because we wanted to be slim. Hmm. Um, and where do you think that comes from? Do you think that comes from the outside? Like we're taught it from, like I find my son saying the word fat sometimes and I'm and it shocks me because I'm like, it just doesn't sound right coming out of a five-year-old's mouth. And yeah. like he said to me, um, I'm probably going to get all the mum trolls now, um, but he had, he lost his two front teeth and he um, turned around and he said, oh, mummy, I'm going to look weird because I'm missing my two front, front teeth. I said, no, you're not. I said, look in your class. Loads of the kids have got missing teeth and you're going to lose them all at some point. And he went, yeah, but at least I'm not fat and just walked off. And I just went, he's five. And yeah. and a boy, so I just would, it, you know, we automatically write them off in that sense, don't we? And I just yeah. thought, oh, God, we really need to watch what we say around them. Um, so yeah. do you feel like it's something learned from a young age? Yeah, because one of the other huge major things that has helped me since I started trying to go on this journey for myself was education. I have learned so much about, like, internalised fat phobia and how we have this absolute horror phobia of fat and being fat and fat people and we put all of these fat people in one box and think that they eat KFC six times a day and don't exercise and that they're all going to die early and I'm not even prepared to like admit to say the words but you know when people say like oh they're a strain on the NHS all of that stuff has been so deeply ingrained for so many years it's got so out of hand you know I I just told you then I was the biggest girl growing up and plenty of people called me fat But still to this day, I exercise more than some of my slim friends. I exercise more than my friend who's a size eight. So what is it that we have got where we are so petrified of not looking this cardboard cut copy of a human being, which is physically unattainable to achieve, like it's just impossible. So it's really important to teach our children and the younger generations that there is nothing wrong with being fat and you cannot judge someone for the way their body looks because we have 
A, no idea what their reasons are for being that body shape, whether it's genetics, whether they can't afford fresh, healthy food all the time, whether they can't afford a gym membership or whether they have a mental illness that means they can't go out for a run. There are all these things connected to why somebody could look the way they could. And on exactly the same scope, you know, like I just told you then, when I was at my slimmest, I'm being praised for being slim, but I'm starving myself and unhappy. And that's not what people see. So I just think we really have to move away from judging people in general for for their body shape and what they look like and just teaching everyone to care about what's important. And that is that's what's in in our hearts, really. Mm. I saw it. It goes both ways, though, doesn't it? I saw a post from I think you pronounced Stormy Keating. And she posted a picture of herself in her bikini with her son. And she's tiny. And she had to write a post the next day to say, can everyone stop telling me that I look ill and that, you know, I shouldn't be posting pictures of me looking like this. And she was like, I am naturally slim. I eat what I like. I can eat as much as I like. My family are all the same. I'm not ill. Can you please leave me alone? And it's you know, big or small, no one's ever happy. You get criticised either way. Yeah. And I think as well, the problem is, is everything has to be like to the extreme. So like what I said, if you see someone who's big, everybody has to judge them and think they're unfit. They don't walk anywhere. They don't go to the gym. And we have to move away from that. And I understand how difficult it is, especially when there are still generations around where fat is unhealthy, slim is healthy, and that's as black and white as it gets. But I do feel like, you know, maybe our generation and the, you know, the ones after us are sort of waking up a little bit. And that's why I said, if I could go back to myself younger now, I do see myself represented now. I do see curved models. I do see cellulite not being airbrushed out. And those things massively, massively help. But I didn't see that when I was Mm. younger. I saw one body type obviously unaware at the time it would have been airbrushed within an inch of its life but those things make up who you are are you planning a party a barbecue or even a garden soiree this summer now we're getting used to hosting again we have to cater to all the needs of our guests lots of my friends and family don't like to drink too much alcohol but love the taste and the celebration and there's no reason why they should lose out i always make sure to have a bottle of utopia on hand so i can rustle up a quick utopia and tonic for the designated drivers expectant mothers or those who just want to take a night off and it even goes down well with the big drinkers too I believe moderation shouldn't come with a compromise. To get started on your cocktail journey, head over to Utopia Spirits to get inspired. So I mentioned earlier that you made this whole movement called Filter Drop. And so for the listeners that don't know what that is, do you want to explain what that is and why you decided to do it? Yeah, so it was was actually a year ago. And in my own sort of personal journey, I decided to stop using face changing filters and I was kind of left with a sparkly one or a grainy one or a tanned one. And because we were on our phones a lot more throughout lockdown, I think I just started noticing that I don't see real skin. And because I wasn't using those filters all the time, I'd be posting my stories looking back at my stories, thinking I look horrendous. And I'm like, why do I look so bad? It's because I don't have a filter on and everyone else had a filter on. 
So I literally, it was a Friday night, I'd had a glass of wine and I just did some stories to my following at the time, which is about 3,000 people. And I said, is it me or do we literally only see filters? Like, where is the real skin? It's actually got out of hand. It's ridiculous. And the response was crazy. People said they can't even look at themselves in the mirror. People can't post without a filter. They're addicted to them. And I just, it just grew and grew and expanded and expanded. And I said, why don't we call this something? If you feel brave enough, upload a photo of yourself without a filter and just let's just see what happens. Like post it, I want to see your real skin. And in the really early stages of the campaign, every single night I'd go on my profile and I'd watch my story back because I used to repost everyone. And I cannot tell you, still to this day is my proudest achievement throughout the whole campaign was seeing that much real skin, every age, every skin tone. Like it was amazing. I just used to sit there and click through them all. And um, it just, yeah, it picked up coverage in, I think the first time was in August, I think. And then that was it. And I changed the ruling for the ASA. So you now can't advertise products using a filter cosmetic products if it's going to change the effect so is that just on social media so say if I was to say right I've been using this skincare it makes my skin really great if I used a filter to do that I'd get in trouble on Instagram yeah yeah so the ASA are the governing body for Instagram and like the they're called the advertising standards agent authority sorry And they are the ones that have the guidelines in place for truthful advertising online. So I think it does apply to YouTube and all of those platforms, I think. That's amazing. Um, You must be so proud of yourself that you've been able to do that just from one day thinking, yeah, I don't like this. We need (laughs) to change this. (laughs) I think like it is the the filter thing is just an extension of how I truly feel. So it, it was a genuine hate for them but it's not like I just woke up one day and decided to pluck a filter out and decided didn't like it but the day I received an email saying that they'd changed the ruling it was a Friday again everything happens on Friday <laughs> and I burst into tears I just could not believe and it, it's been hard it's been so hard I can't explain to you how difficult it is trying to scream about something that I think is so important and unfortunately if you don't have a following on social media, it's 10 times harder to get heard and, you know, to be seen by the right people. And as soon as it started falling into a couple of hands of people with a bigger following, everything changed for me. And that did help. So it's just that thing of voices, isn't it? You want to keep the rippling effect of however many people are there to hear it. Well, I had a similar experience in lockdown because I had noticed that I hated seeing my skin in real life and I was almost shocked every time I saw it and realised it wasn't smooth and flat and that it had bumps on it and I was just like this is ridiculous like I can't even look at myself and I thought followers will be looking at that and thinking I look this perfect day in day out and that's wrong but then equally for my own mental health I was like I'm doing this to myself. I'm choosing to make myself feel this way. So I decided to to drop the filters. Um, and maybe I post a little less on stories if one day I'm like, oh, I just feel like I can't have my face on today. But I'm glad I've done it because now I don't look in the mirror and think, oh, God, who's that person? You yeah. know, you're the same person online and in real life. 
Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the whole way through the campaign, I did. I made sure to make it really clear that I don't judge anyone for using these filters. I used filters. I yeah. edited everything. And it's an I insecurity, it isn't it? Yeah. And you can't judge someone for feeling like they cannot show up in this world without a filter. This world has created that problem. But what I wanted to kind of put the pressure on was that do it for yourself. I don't use filters now because I cannot let myself see, you know, we look great with these filters on. The filters are designed to make us look incredible. We look incredible. We look better with a filter on. And that is the problem because we become addicted to that and that warps our reality of of who we truly are. Mm. So now I don't use filters at all. The only thing I'll do is I love black and white or love a look at grainy, anything to make it look like a bit older. But I can't use the filters, even the grainy ones, because they smooth your skin. They do. They make, they make, they do something, they slim your nose. I have never had a problem with my nose until I started using filters. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with my nose, there but I use a filter. There's absolutely nothing wrong with your nose. <laughs> and then you take the filter off and my nose is twice as wide. So you don't, I haven't got a wide nose, but compared to this, unrealistic standard that the filter is Mm. I can't compete with that nobody can so that's why my biggest advice with these you know when I say filter drop is do it for yourself not not for me or not for anyone else or not because not because of the campaign just do it for you yeah um I have some a follower on Instagram I asked people to send in questions for you and this question, I feel like I already know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask it because I feel like the question makes me sad in itself. How can you dress well for curvy women? Summer can be hard. Do you know what? I think like I joke about it all the time and I have this like alter ego on my Instagram called Fash Sash, which is where I just try so hard to be fashionable, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> and Why? all the clothes look horrendous. I don't know. I just can't dress myself. And I laugh about it. And again, this like comes back to the root of where we started in the conversation. Because I grew up my whole life wanting to cover up and not show off my body, I've got to this stage now where inside I'm I'm so confident in who I am, but I don't know how to dress myself because I haven't grown up with myself in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never... I've never worn jeans because jeans didn't fit me well or they weren't comfortable because they were too tight. So now if I want to wear jeans, I'm like, what is a jean? (laughs) (laughs) Especially now though, because all the styles now have no stretch in them. Like when skinny jeans were cool, it was like, they were basically like wearing leggings. So I loved them. Now I'm like, oh, there's just not an inch of stretch in them. So you sit down yeah. them and you can't feel your vagina. Like you can't feel your bits <laughs> the minute you sit down or like you yeah. can't eat a piece of bread the minute you sit down for dinner. Like it's so yeah. hard. But even I find summer hard. I, I don't like getting my legs out. I don't like my knees. I think my legs are big. And I do think summer, like I've always preferred clothes in winter, but there is this whole beach body ready summer just brings out this extra pressure doesn't it for fashion and dressing and yeah I I am always always a girl of comfort like I have to be comfortable before anything even at an event or a wedding or anything even my wedding dress my first thing is comfort like I have to be comfortable and I think that when it comes to being in like a larger body or being curvier I would always suggest to put comfort first and find the things that mean something to you. So I know 
my personal preference that makes my body feel its best. I do like to have a bit of color on me. I like to have a bit of a tan. And I personally like to have my legs waxed, shaved, whatever. I know there are plenty of people that don't and love it and whatever, but for me, those are my things that I like. I also really love taking that time to have a shower and use my nice shower gel and then get out of the shower and use my nice body cream. And all of those things combined make me feel more confident. And it's the same, that's the same way as me describing what I think makeup is. It's like, it's your tool for confidence. So find those things that work for you with your body, whatever shape it is, and put comfort first. I mean, I would always say put comfort first because I'm not a very fashionable person, but I also think in the heat when we're hot and it is just like, don't try and conform to a trend if your body isn't even represented in that trend, dress for you and how you're going to feel. Yeah. Is my advice. (laughs) I think that's very good advice. Um, someone said what's your definition of happiness what's my definition of happiness I think happiness and like success as well it looks different for absolutely everyone everyone has a different version of that for me happiness is you know the feeling where even when things go wrong you've got that contentment of being happy and I recognize so much difference in myself now to when I was so unhappy in my body and I let all of those things overtake what truly makes me happy you know I'm at the stage of my life now where I wake up to see if my rosebud has blossomed like if I cared the way I care about my body like I did back then I wouldn't have moments and time to find beauty and things like that and it's such a you know it's such a small stupid thing but that's one thing I have noticed so much about myself is I find happiness in, and I find beauty in so many more things than I did back then. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so exhausted because you're like trapped in a box in your own head and you can't get out of it. And then you release yourself from that box and it's like, oh my gosh, this world's incredible. Look at this. Like you appreciate the sun coming out or you appreciate sitting in silence with someone you love because you're just next to them. And that for me is what happiness, like I'd say that's how I would define my happiness. So I think people these days, we know that filters aren't real, so, but it's so hard. Like we were saying, like it's so hard not to use them. And and like you said, it's we don't judge people for using them. It's insecurities and, and it is unfortunately the world we've found ourselves in. And people do make comments and we do have higher expectations. So... As a final piece of info, what would be your like three bits of advice for people to feel more confident in the way that they look and to not use filters? My first thing would be practice. I would say practice all of the things that are going to make you feel more confident. So if that means looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and thinking, I look disgusting, make sure that you practice saying afterwards, I look disgusting, but I'm a really kind person, or I look disgusting, but I'm going to go and meet my friend for lunch today. I'm going to have a nice time. Practice all of those things. Again, practice the things that make you feel confident in your body. So is that wearing your favorite perfume, putting your favorite outfit on, find all of those things and practice them continuously. Second thing would be to it's like an addiction, isn't it? So my second thing would be delete the the face changing filters and leave yourself with the more subtle ones. And I say that lightly because even though they're subtle, they still do something, but it's better than completely morphing your face 
And my third piece of advice would be to care about more. I created a quote and the quote is, looking beautiful is an opinion, feeling beautiful is a choice. And I feel like that completely encapsulates how I feel about beauty because like I said to you, we can sit here and call each other the most beautiful people we've ever met or seen, but someone else is gonna have a different opinion of that but we have the power to feel and choose beautiful ourselves no matter what. No one can take that away from us. So by caring about more than how we look and caring about more than how beautiful we are really does just change your life for the better. And that's, yeah. Yeah, you have that quote on your Instagram and I remember reading it and thinking, God, that's so true. That's so right. Um, Yeah, I want it like, maybe I should get it tattooed on my head. (laughs) You could do that. <laughs> um, on my Instagram bio. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. I think that'll do. Well, thank you so much. I just, I find you fascinating and really inspiring. And I, I think so many listeners will feel exactly the same. Um, oh, thank you. Because we do find ourselves in these situations where we expect so much from ourselves in so many ways. And we do, like you said, we make everything about beauty and our bodies and how it looks rather than what it does and all the other things around us and I think we spend so much time looking at that that we do miss all the other amazing things that we've either achieved or that we can see and enjoy those so thank you so much and um, I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon yeah thank you for having me Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Mind. I hope this has been really helpful to you. If you have been affected by this episode or would like to find out any more information regarding mental health, then please head over to mind.org.uk. And follow me on Instagram to look out for my stories where I reveal each new guest and collect all of your fantastic questions to put forward to them. See you soon. Are you trying to cut down on alcohol to boost your well-being? Well, personally, I love going out for drinks with my friends, but hate how I feel the morning after. And that's why I decided to moderate my alcohol intake with Atopia. They have an ultra-low alcohol spirit that tastes just as good as my usual drink without any of the nasty side effects or embarrassing photos. Looking after yourself is important, so why not take this month to get focused on your well-being? Join me in cutting down on alcohol intake today and start making the most out of every occasion with no regrets. Looking after yourself is important, so why not take this month to get focused on your well-being? Join me in cutting down on alcohol intake today and start making the most out of every occasion with no regrets. Wake up with a spring in your step and your well-being in check. Available from Waitrose and online.